0: going to start something tonight and literally we're just going to scratch the surface of something here. And this is going to carry us over the next several months. And, and I don't know, this might be the theme for the year, but I can tell you this, it's become the theme of my life and our life and our family. And the Lord has begun to show us some things from his word. Um, Uh, I know some of you in here are preachers and you know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's when you get into something, you feel like it's the most important thing you've ever seen before, the most important message you've ever preached. And I've felt like that, I don't know, a dozen times before in my life, but I, but there is something specific about what I want to start sharing with you guys tonight. Um, I said to Sarah the other day, I don't think there's ever been anything from the word that I can sense that is going to change our lives in the degree that I believe this is going to. Um, There's some major mind shifting and changing going on in us right now. And like I said, I want to just scratch the surface of it and then continue with it. Um, It's going to tie into uh, the story that we want to tell you tonight and how the Lord brought this about. But I want to read something to you that Jesus said in Luke chapter 12. If you were to just begin reading in verse 13, this is stuff you've heard before. He says, it says, then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he, Jesus, said to him, Man, I, I like that. I, don't, I just hear it that way every time. <laughs> man, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, listen to this, take heed. I think other translations say beware. You know what beware means? It means be aware. I think we just shorten that to one word, be aware. You're walking past a house that's got a sign on the fence that says, beware of dog. That, that means be aware because if you're not aware and you come in here, he's going to bite you if you're not aware. So be aware. And here he says, beware or take heed, beware of dog covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of evil. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. I want everybody to say that with me a couple times. Say it. Life is not measured by how much you own. One more time. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, if you put this back where you found it in the context where it came from, the verses leading up to this and this is what we 're going to spend more time with later, but let me just kind of paint this picture for you in the verses leading up to it, this huge crowd has gathered to Jesus, and actually the the scripture tells us that people were being trampled this is This is like Black Friday kind of stuff here. this is everybody has come to Jesus, and he begins to minister, and he starts first of all talking to the disciples, and there's some things he's telling them um, He says things to them like um Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And You remember, I think several months ago, we talked some about hypocrisy and, and what that means. If you were to look it up in, in some other translations of Scripture, uh, a hypocrite is defined as someone who's an actor on the stage of life, playing a role of something they are not. And if there's any one group of people that Jesus has no time for, you look at it through the scriptures. He is, he is no fan of the hypocrites. That's right. There's one particular chapter where he says it, I don't know how many times, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you hypocrites. And he says it over and over. The word woe just means this does not turn out good for you. Yeah. Okay. To you hypocrites, why? Because hypocrisy is equal to lying. And there is no falseness in him. There is no lying in him. There's only truth in him. So he says, beware of their hypocrisy. Beware. See that again? Watch out for it. You've got to pay attention and watch for this because if you don't, it's going to bite you. And then he goes on and he says, listen, don't be afraid of them who, who kill you. He's like, if that's the most somebody can do to you, don't be afraid. It's like, that's all the power they have. He said, I'll tell you who to fear. This is where it gets a little weird. He says, I'll tell you who to fear. Fear him who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Him's the one you should fear. That messes with your Theology right there. This whole good God theology that we just went over, that really messes with it. But if you keep reading, you get that answered because he says, and and isn't, uh, aren't, aren't five sparrows sold in the marketplace for two cents? And yet the every hair of your head is numbered. Then he says this, so don't be afraid. At first it was like, be, be afraid of the one who could throw you into hell. But listen, don't be afraid. Why? Because you, are you not of more value than they? I want you to catch the weightiness of what he's talking about here. First of all, hypocrisy and, and having none of that in your life. This is weighty stuff right? Uh, The fear of God, the fear of the Lord, the reverential awe and worship of God on into gaining an understanding of how much you're worth and the value that you have in the eyes of God. This is huge. This is life changing revelation for somebody to get a hold of how much they're worth to God. And there are people all over the world, church going people today who have no idea what they're worth to God. And it's, it creates this distance between him and them in their relationship. And he says, the hairs of your head are numbered. I saw something about that today. I'd never seen before. I've always thought he knows how many hairs are there, but that's not the word that was used. He said they're numbered, which means I could pull this one out and show it to him. And he'd say, Oh yeah, that's number 3,604. They're numbered. He just said that to just, just to get you to leave your brain out of this. Just to get you to leave this cognitive reasoning thing that you've got up. just leave it out and accept and believe by faith. This is how much he loves you. Yeah. And he goes right uh, from that into verse eight and he says, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess him before God and all the angels. This is weighty stuff. I mean, this is, this is the verse... Countless millions upon millions and hundreds of millions of people all over the world have been born again on. Confessing me before men, I'll confess you before God and the angels. From that he goes into whoever blasphemes the Son of Man can be forgiven, but whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. Small wars have been fought over that verse. Whole churches have split because of how, how intense that verse is. And I'm not claiming to know all the answers to it. I do know this, that, that the whole role of the Holy Spirit in anybody's life is to show them Jesus yes. and to blaspheme that and reject that. That's the only thing you can never be forgiven of. Right. That's the only sin that people are in hell for. Mm-hmm. And he goes from that and he, then he starts talking about when they bring you into the synagogues and haul you into court. <laughs> Don't be afraid of what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Do, you. do you hear how weighty each and every one of these verses are? I mean, you've got everything from li- living with nothing but truth in your life and knowing how much you're worth to God and confessing Jesus before men and then Him talking to you about the Holy Spirit quickening words to you and not being afraid of what to say to people. This is life-changing yeah. stuff. This is heavy. This is weighty. And in the middle of it, this guy yells out of the crowd, interrupts the whole thing and yells from the crowd, teacher. Now, right here, you know that this is what has been on his mind for who knows how long. And he came to this meeting, fought his way to the front of this crowd because he came to get Jesus to tell his brother to give him some money. And the whole time Jesus has been talking, talking about sparrows. Okay, when's he going to get past the sparrow stuff? Talking about confess men, angels, God, whatever. He's just waiting on Jesus to take a breath long enough for him to interrupt. Those of you who know me, Sarah knows this better than anybody. That's kind of my pet peeve. I hate being interrupted, and I know when you're just talking to somebody, you kind of talk over each other. That's just conversation. But I'm talking about, and you know what I'm talking about. When you have, you got something in your heart, as we like to say, or maybe on your heart. I got something on my heart. Something you've spent time thinking about, and you've spent time maybe praying about, and you've laid awake at night, crafting what you're about to say. That can be good. That can be bad. I don't know, but. It took courage. It took guts. It took something extra for you to to say to this person or this group of people, whatever it is you're about to say. Why? Because it's important to you. And then to just be interrupted. I'll never forget when Pastor Keith Moore came to our church when I was a teenager, I think, maybe, maybe late teens, early twenties. And he did a series on humility and pride. And it was one of those series of messages that just completely rocked everybody. i was like, oh God, I'm so prideful. I'm so sorry. But it was, it was good. It showed up so many things. And one of the things, I, said, I will never forget this. I, somewhere, I think in my attic, there is a shoebox with a bunch of tapes in it. And on one tape, there is a tape from that series and it's labeled, Pride is an Interrupter. You don't think about that, but that's what that is. To interrupt somebody is literally to say to them, yes, I hear that there are words coming out of your mouth, but they pale in comparison to the importance of the words that are in my mind. So what I'm gonna do is go ahead and stop you right there and say what I believe to be is more important than what you're currently saying. What is that? That's pride. That's pride to not be able to just listen to somebody. It's a complete and total lack of humility. And I thank God I've never really been interrupted like while preaching. I've been in services where the guy preaching was, it's so awkward. The only time I ever got interrupted while preaching was in Sarah's um, <laughs> second grade class. Before we were married, she, we were engaged and she asked me to come teach Bible uh, at, in her Bible class in Branson. And a bunch of the other kids from other grades had come, a small little Christian school, and so we had like second, third, and fourth graders in there. And I decided I'm going to preach on Jonah. Jonah and the whale, right? Seems appropriate for elementary Bible class. And I'm drawing pictures on the board, and I'm talking about Jonah and all of this stuff. And this kid, like, he raised his hand, but didn't wait to be called on. You know what I mean? It was just like, this just lets me talk. So... I'll never forget, he raised his hand and said, um, that's not exactly right. I have the VeggieTales movie of Jonah, and what happened was... Am I right? Is that exactly what happened? I was like, you little (laughs) mullet-headed... And he was. That's the only time I've been interrupted preaching. But all that to say, I I want you to get the weightiness of what Jesus was saying and then hear what was so heavy on this guy's heart that he has the audacity to yell out from the crowd, teacher, and not to ask him, not to beseech of him, to tell him what to do. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I think that's why Jesus was like, Man, man, sometimes that's all I'm gonna say. Man, who made me a judge over you? But he went ahead and took that opportunity to reveal to us number one, he's not exactly on this guy's side in the argument. And he said these words Your life is not measured by the things that you own. And that's what we're going to spend some time getting into. But there's this question that keeps coming up in me, and I know it's the Lord asking me, and I'm kind of going out on a limb here, starting to preach it before I'm all the way there myself, but I I know that this is what we're supposed to spend our time with. If Jesus says your life is not measured by the things that you own, that says to me that life can be measured. Life, as big a word as that is, it can be measured. And not only can it be measured, it must be. Your life, my life, you and I, we've got to know how to measure it. Now, you know it's not like this. You know your life can't be measured by the abundance of the things that you own. That's the wrong way to measure life, and yet you know so many people are, don't you? I mean, so many people, you, you, just in conversation, you look at what somebody's got, you look at the house, you look at the cars, you look at the clothes, and you say, we literally say of that person to each other, man, they're doing good. How do you know? Watch out over that because what you've just done is measured that person's life according to the things that they own. Now, the only thing wrong or the only thing worse than measuring your life by the abundance of the things that you own is measuring your life by the abundance of the things somebody else owns. That's where it gets really, really dangerous. And like I said, I know I keep saying this, we're going to spend time with that because there's, some, there's definitely some adjusting that's got to take place. But most of you know me well enough to know that this is not some anti-prosperity yeah. <laughs> message. You know me well enough to know that. But there's a, there's a shift in my thinking that even, even when the blessing of the Lord is all around, even when um, you can look and see what He's provided and see the, the things that He's made a way for you still can't measure life by it. Yeah. Yeah. I challenge you to just start going back and look at all the different scriptures where you hear Jesus and you hear that in the Old Testament or the writings of Paul, he, he uses measurements. I pray that you would come to know the love of Christ. What is the width and the depth and the height and the breadth? What are those things? They're measurements. What did Jesus say? I came that you would have what? Come on, family, what what did he say? I came that you'd have life, life, but not just life, have it. That's a measurement, is it not? That's a measurement. You got a little bit, you got halfway full, you got all the way full, and then you have abundantly. It's a measurement, and it's a measurement of life. Now, there's, there's a key to this that I believe is going to be coming out every time we, we gather around these things, and it's this. Learning to value the same things that he says are valuable. That's our key to prosperity. You know, all through the Old Testament, I've been looking at this, you see time after time after time, God warned his people, and he said to them over and over, I command you to use, watch this, honest scales and adjust balance. That's how things were conducted in the marketplace. You wanted to buy something. Well, the guy who was selling it had a scale. This is his cash register. It was a scale and he had a bag and in that bag were weights and weights with different markings and things didn't cost a dollar amount. They costed a weight. That's what a shekel was. It was a weight. That's a, that's a unit of, of weight a measure of weight. And so he'd put a weight on one side of that scale and that guy would have to put, start putting shekels on the other side until it balanced. And God told his people over and over and over, you use just weights. You use honest scales, honest balances. In the book of Proverbs, he said an unjust weight is an abomination to the Lord. He said it twice. It's serious stuff with him. This is why we've got to begin to I'll say it like this, give weight to the things that he gives weight to. Yeah. And here's where I want this to be, kind of lead into what he did with us in this building. You know, the search for this place, this building that he's brought us into and, and this relationship um, that he's brought into our lives. You guys, everybody look right back here. Dwayne, Angelique, would you guys just wave everybody? This is Dwayne and Angelique Gates and Madison, their daughter, uh, one of their two. Um, this is their property, and, and uh, they play a big part in this story. But really, the search for this property, you want to come on up, sweet. The search for this started a long time ago. Uh, Sarah and I started this ministry over four years ago, and really, the search for the property began even before we started the ministry. It started with she and I on the night before Thanksgiving 2009, while we were still employed at my grandparents' ministry. The Lord just started dropping thoughts in our heart. and We were laying there in bed, uh, just staring up at the ceiling in a dark room. And for the first time in our lives, we began, it to, ju- we began to just even entertain the idea of launching out into something that was our own, uh, something that maybe the Lord's called us to do. And we just started talking to each other. And you guys have heard me say before that really it was the Lord talking to us through each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That night, something began on the inside. <laughs> months and months later, we ended up we met with my grandparents. We, they said, go for it. It's God. Months after that, we launched the ministry. And the Lord began to just put something in our heart, the hunger and the desire to have a place of our own. And we had scriptures. Baby, did we have scriptures. <laughs> and most of you remember, we were looking in Colorado, which that dream is still very much alive on the inside of both of us. Especially me. I'm hungry for it. I miss it. (laughs) Willie, can I get an amen on Missing Colorado? And I know the Lord showed us things there. He expanded our vision there. He showed us a place, the first place He ever showed us, 760 acres in the mountains with a beautiful home on it and what that place did to lift our vision and break us out of this Um, small-mindedness that we were in. That was was over four years, maybe four, four and a half years ago, something like that. And uh, it just progressed a little, but little by little after that, we looked and we thought we were going to Colorado and the Lord dealt with us and we realized that there was part of that that was right, but it wasn't now. The time wasn't right for it that we'd be staying in Fort Worth. Well, then we moved into a home in Fort Worth, not really knowing why we moved there. It wasn't our favorite house in the world other than the Lord just showed it to us. Actually, we were in Colorado planning to move there in June. It was March at that time, and we were looking for a place, and weren't finding it, and it was turning frustrating, and uh, the Lord started talking to Sarah about this house in Fort Worth that some friends of ours were living in, and... You know,
1: what happened, let me just tell you this really quick, is I was looking everywhere for the place that God wanted for us, looking and looking and looking, and I just felt myself getting agitated on my spirit, like, just agitated on the inside, and I was like... I just had this moment where I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm finished, your will be done. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I said, your will be done, he, I saw a picture of that house, the house that I live in now, in person. And it was, like all, he, it was almost like he wouldn't speak to me about it until I became willing on the inside, till my heart was tender, you know? And um, he wasn't just gonna force it on me. But when I said, your will be done, he did it. And you know what is so amazing about it? Is when we moved into that house, it was big enough for us to have family night there. That's what that house was for. It was for family night.
0: For over a year, we kind of been wondering, why exactly are we here? We'd contacted our friends knowing that they were moving. We said, when are you guys moving? And they said, June. So that's when it all really, the Lord had told us you're moving in June. We assumed Colorado only to find out we close, but not all the way. And sometimes that happens, but you just, you go with what he's telling you. And and for the last year and a half, we kind of been thinking like, what's, what's with this house? It's not our absolute favorite. It's a blessing. And the Lord showed it to us. We didn't have to go find a house.
1: And our staff got <clears throat> to work upstairs. So we've had our staff working upstairs.
0: Yeah. Making memories. And uh, in that time that we moved into the house there, we're thinking, okay, there's got to be, maybe there's a place here in Fort Worth, and I'm telling you guys, we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and I know this, there are some things we looked at because the Lord showed us, and there were a lot of things we looked at because we showed ourselves, and it had finally gotten to the place, I really, about a year ago, in prayer, felt like I'd heard from the Lord, something's coming in August. And so we were telling the staff, hey guys, something's coming in August. Something's coming. And we're all saying it to each other. Yep, something's coming in August. Something's coming. And they know we're looking for a building. And then August came. And I I can't say that nothing came in August, but I will say that a bunch of buildings that we didn't buy or move into all came in August. (laughs) (laughs) And what ended up happening was through the course of that time, knowing that it's the Lord's will for us to have a place, knowing that he's got a place for us. Still, I personally let that become too weighty. I let having a place, having a building, just a building, four walls and a floor, I let having that become too weighty to me. This is how you begin to identify what you're giving value to and then find out, is it the same thing he's giving value to? Is it important to have a building? Yes. Was it the most important? No. But yet I was acting like it was. Man, I was online. I was looking and I know better than that. I know so much better than that. Nothing has ever come to me. Anything that's good in my life has ever come because I found it online. And some people are gifted and are able to do that, but I'm not. Sarah and I, the Lord has never allowed us to do that. He's always said, you don't have to trust me. And whatever you find, that'll be what you found. So you get to choose in life. You get to, f- you get to have what I brought to you or you get to have what you found. Wow. You choose. And
1: one thing we found too is that God always <laughs> likes to get the glory for anything that happens. Yeah, It does something for our souls. Yeah. It does something for our relationship, your relationship. When you have built a history with God yeah. over the years and you have testimony after testimony, after testimony, you can look back over all the years and say, oh, he proved himself there. He, he proved his love to me there. He proved his love to me there. And you just know it was him. You had nothing to do with it. And you know what else it is? It's just proof of his grace, that his grace does the work. And you can't earn it on your own. You can't make it happen. It's him that does it. And he provides a way. And he opens the door. And he moves on people's hearts. He gives you favor. It's him. He designed us to live so at rest, so at peace where that peace and the relationships in our families and those things would be the most valuable. The peace of God and the joy of the Lord and rest, being at rest, living in His presence, doing life with your family, your friends, these people that God has given us, that is more weighty to me than anything else. So anyway. And we
0: reveal to ourselves and to each other and we need to start taking inventory in our own lives as we start tonight, beginning to measure our own lives. You reveal what's weighty to you by what's coming out of your mouth all the time. And I think it's funny because so many people have such a problem with some preachers who, all you ever talk about is money. All they ever talk about is money. And hey, I know, I know that maybe some have spent too much time talking about it, but I... I just want people to know the rules aren't different for, for us because I have a microphone and a camera pointed at me. What are you spending your time talking about? Right, yeah. What are husbands and wives talking to each other about all the time? There are so many people living under such financial pressure that that's what they're talking about all the time. They're talking about, we got to do this with the money, and if we had more money, and if we had more money, and if we had more money. Had more money. That's good. You evidently, that's how you measure life. And I, 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 we have to locate where money fits on the scale of importance. I'm not one of those guys who's going to tell you money's nothing. That's foolish and stupid. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying it's not most important. Same way with the building, the place for our ministry. Yes, it was vital. It's very important, but not most, Mm -hmm. not most. And the time that I spent frantically searching online, and staying up late at night, and paying to subscribe to this real estate website where I would get updates—it's—we'll talk about (laughs) later—and I I don't honestly know what I was thinking because it's not like I was going to stand up and want my testimony to be. Look what I found online. There's no, there's nothing wonderful about that. And I'll tell you one other thing, one other problem with looking like that. Every time you look for anything online, you, and it sounds like I'm against that. I'm not. I'm telling you, be led. Look when he says look, and don't look when he says don't look. The problem with me just spending all my time looking online is every time I had to look, I had to go in right there and put in all the parameters. So I'm building the place, right? And here's the big one. You have to put in how much you're willing to pay. So the only thing I could do Mm -hmm. is look at what I've got and decide if I could afford that. Mm -hmm. Then and there, I exclude anything supernatural from taking place. Why? Because I've set it to this limit and it can be this size and it can be this acreage. And I just know the Lord's going "Oh Man, (laughs) man, come on, man. And so we looked, August of of 2014 came and you can ask our staff, man, that's Lauren, Jordan, Courtney. We were, Becky, we (laughs) were looking, were we not guys? We were looking and it even turned into a game (laughs) where out of pressure we said to them, Everybody look, everybody go look online. And then we're just going to go all dri- We're all going to pile in the car and we're all going to drive around Fort Worth. And if we like the one you found, we're going to give you a prize.
1: Which we were kind of joking, but then we were also.
0: I tell you exactly why I did it. I wanted a building and it was the most important thing to me. And I was giving it way too much weight. It was an unjust balance. It was unjust. And um, finally, we sat down as a staff one day and I told them, I said, I've got to repent to you guys. i have got to ask you to forgive me. I've already dealt with the Lord. He's already dealt with me. But my days of internet searching are over, they're over and done. And I've been under pressure and I've put you under pressure and we are not going to live our lives like that. I was getting free. I was getting free right then. Whoa, freedom. I, I, was, I was getting free and just told him, we're not going to look like that. We're not going to search. We're not going to make it the most important thing. And right around that time, I had written a letter to our partners. I think a lot of you get our partner letter and I'd written some things in there about being courageous, about taking heart. And when you get a sense that the Lord's called you into something and he's shown you what the next step is, Go for it. It's like Willie has, he, he came and ministered. He and his wife, Rachel, came and ministered to the staff one day and said, he said, I want to be a 51% kind of guy. And I didn't understand it at first, but what he said was, as soon as the majority of me believes I've heard from God, I'm going for it. Which said to me, there's going to be blanks to fill in, there's going to be question marks, but I, I'm not going to be so prideful that I say, well, until I know that, I'm not doing this. As soon as the majority of me, 51%, you know what that is? That's all of my heart and a little bit of my head. And as soon as the majority of me believes that I've, I've heard from God, that we as a team, Sarah and I, and then all of us, we've, we've got direction from the Lord, we're going for it. And I had written about some of these things in this letter. And I think I'd said something in there just about believing that we are getting ready to take this next step in our ministry. And uh, a friend of mine, called, somebody who knows us well, he called, he's like, I got your letter, it sounds like something big's coming, what's going on? I said, man, we are just, we're believing God for this building. He's like, well, what kind of space are you looking for? And uh, I was like, well, the Lord has told us to start taking steps towards television. And as soon as we solidified, now looking back, I can see it like this, as soon as we decided that that was the most valuable thing. That the word we got from him was the most valuable thing. I get this phone call, and he and I have this conversation, and he says something in the course of this conversation that gets me thinking about Dwayne Gates. Now, I had been out here. You you remember how many years ago that was? Eight? I think it was more than that, because I don't think we were married yet. We were
1: married, but it was right when we were married, so probably seven. seven years
0: yeah. ago, something like that. six. And I'd been out here once to shoot something for KCM in in this room and uh, got me thinking about Dwayne. And I called another guy who had done some work with Dwayne. I was like, what's he got going on out there? Is that place still there? And he's like, well, just call him. And gave me your number, but at the same time, I had in my inbox lease papers on another building downtown Fort Worth that we had all kind of decided this'll work. It was a cool place. We weren't totally sure it would work for TV, but it would be a cool place for the office, and it, it looked cool. It was a cool location, really trendy. We liked it a lot. I had some really cool features on the inside downtown, and uh, we had pretty well decided, okay, we're going to do this, and then this whole thing comes up about Dwayne, who I have not spoken with since that day probably, five, six, seven years ago, and this tug-of-war starts going on in the inside of me, and I'm like, I'm not calling. I'm not going to call. I don't want to be confused. I'm just going to leave it alone. But one night in November, standing at the kitchen sink doing dishes and just praying in the Spirit, it comes up so big on the inside, call, Dwayne. And I went in, and I told Sarah, I was like, I'm going to call him. I said, okay and called Dwayne and he was like, hey man, haven't talked to you in a long time, what's going on? And we ended up talking for a little bit and he asked what was going on with our ministry. I told him, told him about this, about family night, I believe that that was our direction. Supposed to be taking steps towards television, don't know what all that means. I was like, do you still have that place out there? And he said, yeah. And I said, all right, w- what's going on with it? Is it something that we could look at? And, and you tell me if I tell this right, but he said, man, this is really wild because we, he said, we're doing, doing a lot of changing right now, transitioning some way we do our business and we're kind of coming out of one thing and going into another. And just this week, I think it was, he said, me and Angelique have just this week started talking about the possibility of maybe leasing or selling something that we have. I mean, like just this week that you call, this is really wild. It's like, well, we should talk. We should get together. <laughs> Sarah and I went out of town. We came back. I think it was a few days later. We came out here, got together with Dwayne and Angelique, met their girls. Just took the day to, to check it out and and enjoy it. And um, I kind of, let me just press pause for a second on this story, and tell you another quick one. This will take just a minute. My grandfather, and he he and my grandmother. Um, back in the late 70s, early 80s, were looking for a place for their ministry. And he, the Lord showed him that property that they're on now. Of course, it wasn't theirs, and they didn't have a lot, but he went and found the man that owned it and sat down with him, old man, Mr. Pruitt. sat down with him and he said, Mr. Pruitt, um, the Lord has need of this property. That old man said, well, it's for sale. And Papa tells the story, of course, as no one else can. He said they just sat there, and the only sound he could hear was the ticking clock for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. He said it felt like an eternity that they just sat there. And finally, the man said, Well, come back and see me. So, made another appointment with him sometime later, came back, said, the Lord, has need of this property? It's for sale. Sat there again. Papa said, Well, I don't borrow money, sir. Okay. Come back and see me. So I don't know how many times this happened. And he would go back and sit and talk with this man and really not even talk. Just sit there. (laughs) And then the last time he went back and talked to him, the old man said this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide this property into four sections. And you're going to lease it from me one section at a time. But I know you don't borrow money, so you can lease it. And what we're going to do is, when you pay out the lease on that section, I'm just going to deed the property to you. So you're leasing it, but all of your payments, your lease payments, you're just buying the property, and I'll carry all of it. We don't have to get anybody else involved. So I'm going to divide it into four sections.
1: I like this little accent. Thank you. It's my old man. <laughs> it's my old man. <laughs>
0: I'm going to divide it into (laughs) four sections. You (laughs) see? And that's what he did. And then he said to him, and this was the really cool part. He said, and here's what I'm going to do. The fourth section, I'm just going to give it to you. For the last several years, I think my grandfather's told that story more times in services that Sarah and I have been in. And we've been seeking the
1: Lord, too, about that. Absolutely. Lord, show us. Tell us.
0: And every time we would leave, we would say to each other, that's how we'll know. It's got to look like that somehow, some way. That's how we're going to know. Okay, fast forward back to our story. I don't know. It seemed like maybe the second or third time we came out to meet with Dwayne and Angelique. They had put together seven or eight different options of what all we could do here. You could lease this part. You could buy this part. You could do this. You could do that. And we told them, well, we've got some money, but we, we don't borrow. Okay, cool. They're on board with that. And by the, the last option that we got down to, so I think option eight, maybe nine, they said, well, when we've prayed over it, this is the direction we have from the Lord. We believe this place is yours. And what we want to do is divide it into four sections and you can lease it from us, but all of your lease will just go towards the purchase and when you're done leasing it, we're just going to give you the fourth section. They're looking at us while our mouths just <laughs> fall open and our eyes well up with tears and they're like, what? <laughs> you know? And here's Dwayne. He worked for my grandfather for so many years in the television department. And I said, have you ever heard, or Sarah said, have you ever heard Papa's story of the land? He's like, No told him the whole story we just told you. And he's like, I worked for that man for so many years and I have never heard that story. It was such a manifestation of the goodness of God. And what ended up happening, the Lord enabled us to buy the building that's directly across from us. Debt free. Debt free. And we had a number that was in our heart that we were willing to take of what we had. And... Um Dwayne I hope you don't mind me telling but th- this couple are two of the most giving people I've ever met in my life and he, he we knew what that building was worth and he just started chopping off the top he said you do this and we'll just I'll deed it to you the lord already said deed it to you and give it to him for less than it's worth Isn't that a better story than look what I found online <laughs> And I know what the Lord showed, it, showed us in all of this was the moment we decided on the scale of our lives in ministry, we knew our building was important, but we knew it wasn't the most important. And the moment we decided, I'm not going to give this anymore my time, my energy, my joy, and I'll be real honest with you, the Lord had to sustain me because there were times where I was, especially like when September got here and it looked like nothing had come in August. I would get low and I would think, what is going on? And I'd get frustrated. And the Lord and Sarah just kind of pick you back up. And we'd do that for each other. And the moment we decided, I'm not losing my joy over this thing. Because joy outweighs having a building. You can measure life with joy. You want to know how big your life is? How much joy you got? You can measure life with joy. And so when we decided we're not losing any more joy over this thing, and when we decided that his instruction to begin taking steps towards television was more important than a location, was more important than um, how much something cost, what something looked like, how cool it was or wasn't according to whoever makes up their minds about what's cool and what's not when we elevated that word above all of that it just came
1: we found out the plan what was on God's mind yeah. what he wanted done this is the whole thing about being willing and obedient mm-hmm. if you are willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land yeah. you know that we've seen that in every of area of our life in our personal life when we were willing to go and look at the at the place and the boundary lines that he had for us was when we <coughs> stepped into the blessing. You know, that's one thing that, you know, we always joke around about, but a lot of people, they think, oh, I'm a faith person, I can go claim this, and I'm going to claim that land, and every place that I walk, and both soles of my feet tread, I'm going to, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. But really, what's yours is what he shows you is yours, and he has... It was one scripture we had found, we were confessing for all these years, um, that the ba- his boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. That scripture had kept us knowing that he had the boundary lines picked out yeah. and he was going to do it for yeah. us.
0: And so. so that's the story. And a friend of mine texted today and said did you get it? Is it all done? And I said, yeah, it's done. And then I said, actually, no, it's just starting. <laughs> it's just beginning. Nothing's done. Um, so that's where we're headed. We're not going to make any assumptions uh, about what it's supposed to look like, what's supposed to happen, how it's supposed to happen. Um, we're just going to celebrate the goodness of God where we are right now and give Him thanks and give Him praise and thank Him so much for that he's brought us into each other's lives and I commission you to every one of you go back into your homes, go back into your marriages and decide what have we been putting value on and is it a just scale? Mm. God's, his anger was with people who added weight where weight didn't belong. They said it weighed this much, but really they had cheated. And I think the same thing's true with how we approach our lives, our families, our ministries. Don't add weight where he hasn't added it. And if you, when like Sarah said, when that frustration comes up, let that be an indicator to you. This I'm adding weight somewhere. Mm-hmm. Husbands, wives, if you can't have a conversation about money without draining your joy, don't have the conversation. You can't have it. You gotta be able to recognize, hey, the the... The the joy tank must have a hole in it because the needles just falling to eat. Shut it down right then because you're adding weight where it doesn't belong. Man, I'm excited about this. Uh, there's some life changing stuff in this guys, and it, every bit of it is going to bring us up. When we learn to put money and stuff and things in their right place, that's when the Lord can trust us with them. That means we've got
1: things in balance. Amen. Amen.
0: Praise God. want not you stand up with?